Welcome to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe all of life is all for Jesus. I am your host, AC. I'm here with my co-host, Tina Dare. We've been with you on this journey for the last three weeks. And we're now we're here at the final episode in this series, the Advent series, uh, where we've been talking about different spiritual rhythms that will draw us closer to Christ and, and deepen our affections toward him in this season of Advent, where historically we lo- have looked back at the incarnation of Christ in such a way that it furthers our anticipation of his coming again. This week, we have a couple of very, very special guests, a treasure to our church. We have uh, Mike and Sheila Jones. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike. And I'm Sheila, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. thanks for having us. Yes, so glad to have you here. And uh, just so that everyone can get to know you a little bit, we're just going to do a quick rapid fire uh, set of questions. How long have you guys been married for? Uh, we've been married for 38 years. We uh, we met in college, and uh, we were married just after Sheila graduated. I hadn't graduated yet. So, uh, yeah, but we've been together for 38 years now. Awesome, awesome. And how many kids do you guys have? We have two, uh, a boy and a girl, uh, Andrew, our son, he's 34, Four. and uh, Tori, our daughter, is 36. Perfect. We have an action. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she had a birthday. You're right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And we have four beautiful, beautiful grandchildren. Nice. And what are their names? Uh, the oldest is Eli, and then Caleb, and then Madden, and then Tessa. Tessa just turned three. Perfect. Perfect. How long have you guys been believers? Uh, I was saved when I was 19 years old mm. in college, and so I'm not sure. I'm 60 now, so almost <laughs> 61, so I haven't really counted the years, but yeah, it's, it's over 40 years. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. I have been a believer for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I am now 60, knowing the Lord my whole life, but very intimately these last 30 years. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And, and, and Mike, you're actually going through the elder process, right? Actually, I just completed the elder oh, process. Oh, nice. So you're I an elder. I am officially an elder. Yes, I nice. am. Awesome. I got to be careful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> uh, and so you guys are both leading some different prayer ministries in our, in our church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can we you are. talk to us about that? Uh, why you guys are doing it and, and what you guys are doing? Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, I don't know whether we can really take credit as far as starting the core group. Can we do that? I guess we can. Yeah. One of the things that we were very passionate about, and we had a a, a genuine, just amazing experience with, is just having uh, or, or seeing a core group of people in the church just begin to pray. And as they begin to do that, it kind of multiplies. The, the people get closer to God. They begin to know God better. They Then they begin to know themselves better, obviously, through that process. But as that happens, you can see the, the group go from, well, you know, just the typical prayer where, you know, it, it just lasts a few minutes and and it's mostly, uh, you know, it, it's mostly a lot of, well, what, what hap- what's been happening to me sort of thing. And, and it slowly progresses into this white hot core of people who want nothing more than to experience God. Well, that's awesome. So I have spent uh, the past 30 years training and equipping churches to pray in all denominations. Mm-hmm. I've taught a lot of prayer conferences, retreats, conventions, that type of thing, because of seeing in our church when God transformed my life and, and through the power of prayer. And forming a small group, there were seven of us in that church, and we just began to pray and pray and pray, and God just did one of those supernatural revivals that shook 
the whole church to the core and even spread out across the town. And then, you know, he called us out from that state to here and we saw it happen again when we came to a church here and we began to just get them to pray and passionate about prayer. And God just exploded in that church. And then he moved us into where Mike pastored a church and the same thing happened. Mm. And I've seen it in so many churches where I've gone in to train and equip and just share the power of what happens when you get a passion to be with Jesus. Mm. It's not about working for him. It's about being with him Mm. and hearing his voice and doing what he says to do. So we stay on our faces till we hear from him and then we get up and do it. So I've seen this now for 30 years in a lot of different areas and a lot of different churches and an amazing number of groups. So that's our passion. So it's so encouraging and powerful to hear over time just that the testament of God working through prayer. With with it being so powerful, why do you think it is that we struggle so much in our culture today to pray? It it tends to be an afterthought or an add-on or something that we just we have a really hard time doing regularly. Why do you think that is? I think it's what's modeled. I think that's one of the first things that you can say, and it's uh, it, it's not properly defined within the church. When you hear people talk about prayer, it sounds like they're talking about this thing that you do. Mm-hmm. It's a, you can check it off your to-do list for today. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I've done, you know, I've read my devotions. I did my Bible study. I did my prayer and I, you know, and you just keep, you know, and when you have that concept and when you see modeled opening a meeting, closing a meeting, or, you know, just these little short, help me Lord prayers, then that's the concept that is in a believer's mind. And especially if you, you know, you're in church and you've never prayed before. Well, the first time I had, you know, prayed for an hour and I said, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe, you know, I didn't even want to leave. And and people look at me like, what would you say for an hour? I was like, well, I can talk to you for three hours. So why can't I talk with God for three hours? You know? And so when, when you begin to understand, it's not a thing to do that you can check off your list, but it's a lifestyle. It is a relationship. It is, uh, I love my, my friend, uh, uh, Dr. Frizzell has a definition of prayer that I love. He said it's a glorious relationship encounter with the Lord God himself. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I take it even a little step further than that. It's a journey, a lifestyle of one glorious relationship encounter after another, after another, mm-hmm. after another. It's a relationship that you live in all day long. And when you begin to see prayer as that, and he becomes your supreme satisfaction, your first love, the only reason to get up each day. You can't help but just want to be with him. Mm-hmm. And so educating, you know, and, and, and having prayer times like we do of our prayer core group and groups that we meet with, where we're just, what is on your heart? What do you want, Lord? You know, this is about you. We're in your presence. And you begin to do that type of thing. Then the, the attitude of prayer begins to change. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer a burden. It's the greatest delight. Yeah, it's not something that we need to even put on our to-do list. Exactly. it's naturally flowing. It's yeah. our, our greatest desire in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's living in His presence. And um, the last study I just wrote was just going through the Gospels and every encounter that Jesus had, whether everybody He spoke to, is, is it an example of prayer? 
Mm-hmm. It, it, it's him. Jesus walked around encountering people, mm-hmm. and they were all glorious relationship encounters. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, let's just encounter him everywhere we go and live in his presence and talk to him that way. That becomes true prayer, and that's the contagious prayer. Mm-hmm. I like that, the contagious prayer. <laughs> I know a lot of times prayer doesn't feel contagious. And so how would you walk someone through if they're saying, they're listening to this and they're saying, that's what I want. Right now, prayer has been like a checklist item for me. It's something that I have to just kind of push through if I do it consistently at all. How do I make that transition into having glorious relationship encounters with Christ? Tell him you want it. Mm. That's the first step. It's very simple. We have not because we ask not. I I had the to-do list. I had the ritual of religion my first almost 20 years of life. I mean, you know, I had that. And um, I had a year where I had a slight Job year where everything fell apart and everything went wrong. And I fell on my face and cried out, God, if you are there, you got to help me because I can't live one more day like this. Now, it's somebody who had known him as her savior for many, many, many years, but it was a ritual. It was a distance. It was, it was a religion. And that prayer of brokenness, all I can say is the woman that got up off the floor was not the same woman that went down because in that moment of just crying out, I want you, I need you, I can't do this anymore, he invaded, he consumed. And from that day on, and still today, after 30-some years of walking in that intimacy, I still pray the same prayers every day. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, I want more. I need more. Until I ask him. He wants to give it far more than we'd ever want to ask. Mm-hmm. That's his desire. His desire is that intimacy. So if we ask and we say, we can't do it without you, you've got to do it, then he'll take it from there. Now, I can give you a whole checklist of things to do, but right there is the beginning spot. And how we, so we mentioned the core group. You just mentioned this very one-on-one personal encounter with God in prayer. How important is it to pray in community versus having time alone with God, praying kind of in our, in our own corner on our knees versus praying as we're driving to the city? Talk a little bit about the different forms of prayer and, and how we should approach those. One one of the key aspects of life for me uh, from the time that I graduated college and, and went into the business world, I knew that, you know, the, the, the best posture, the best position to be in is to be the most ignorant person in the room. Mm-hmm. In other words, you, you want to surround yourself with people that, you know, not only have experience, but have wisdom. And so I relate that to the prayer when it comes to corporate prayer. The reason why corporate prayer is so powerful and so necessary is there's not only a magnification that happens when you pray corporately, but those who truly, like AC was saying, was was saying, I want that, go be with people who have it. That's it. Be with people who have it and experience. You know, one of the things that 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 I have seen, you know, time and time again is how a loving father can affect their children toward Christ toward God the Father, when their earthly father loves them unconditionally and and they just really have joy in that relationship. It's a piece of cake to say, hey, there's a heavenly father that's above me that can love way better than me. (laughs) You know, don't you want to have a relationship with him too? Of course I do. You know, I have this great relationship. And, And so, you know, be with prayers. 
corporately, you know, and and honestly, uh, don't hang out with your peers all the time. All the people who are desiring to pray, mm. get with people who who have experience and just truly have joy, because you know when you when you see that joy, that enjoyment, it's contagious. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, the things that you thought you were going to pray for, all these earthly, worldly things that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's nothing wrong with that. But those things really do fade very quickly when you're in the presence of a prayer who's just praising and worshiping, using the Word of God in prayer. Because prayer and the Word, they're really synonymous. They're, they're completely and intrinsically linked together. There's no such thing as reading the Word without praying, and there's no such thing as praying without reading the Word. That's one of the the aspects to corporate prayer that I've experienced in my life that's that's raised me up several notches. But now, you know, individual prayer, once I think you begin to get a taste uh, for God that way uh, and really, truly start to enjoy him. Okay, now that, that's that's the litmus test. Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Because if I am, I'll have a desire for it and I'll keep coming back and back. Matter of fact, I'll never leave it. But the point uh, is that uh, as, as, you, as that gets infectious in your life, all of a sudden you start setting aside time for, you know, what I call attentive meeting kind of prayer to where, you know, there are times when you just want to, you know, get alone before God and not only, you know, confess and, and, and request intercede but but just have have a time where you can really feel him touching your face and and it's in it's in those solitary times when you know you're you're with you're with God and it's the only time that you can experience uh, a flow of righteousness and a flow of purity no matter how much my wife loves me and so no matter how hard she tries to do what's best for me there's always a corruption to it you know, and so as much as, as you know, she but, was saying, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and vice versa, no question about that. But there, there's a limit to human relationship because of sin. You know, there just is. But there is no limit uh, to a divine relationship. You know, and not only that, but I can I can see my brokenness even even more clearly as. He's talking to me perfectly, and I'm talking to him imperfectly, which causes me to worship. And so, you know, I, I think I think one leads to the other, which circles back to the one that's, and, and, and it is just, you know, because life isn't linear; life is circular, you know, and, and prayer life is is that way too. And you talk about attentive prayer, and and um, I wonder, in a typical week, what does your normal rhythm look like of prayer? Well, mine's crazy. For for whatever reason, you know, God and you know, I know he's done the same thing with Sheila, but but God just wakes me up and it's usually at two in the morning. And you know, it, and it takes all different forms, but I'll spend a couple of hours just from like two to four reading the word. I give you an example, uh yesterday morning. It was just a very profound time. You know, I was reading uh, Deuteronomy chapter four. I just read through the Bible, you know, every year. And you know, Moses is talking to the people and he's saying, What God what what nation is there that has a God so near 
that all we have to do is speak and he hears us. What 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 nation has a God who delivers them the way that we've been delivered? He you know he just began to to ask them these rhetorical questions, and of course the people you know there there's no response because how can you respond to that? All you can do is just fall down on your face and worship, and so you know that's. That's what got it started, you know, two days ago. Just, just, uh, and an hour and a half later, it's like, okay, um, let's start praying for Sheila because she's sick, you know, and let's start, you know, but, but the, the point is, you know, you just kind of get lost in it. And, but, but then at the same time, there's no stopping that. If I'm awake, then, you know, I want to be in a prayerful state. I, I just want to always be aware of God. You know, if I make it through three light green lights in a row, thank you, Lord. You know, you know, <laughs> that was a nice thing. <laughs> that was a good experience. Thank you for that. Just all throughout the day. And, and, you know, my grandfather always taught me, he said, you know, Mike, you know, when, when things just aren't working, like we would always work on motorcycles together. He goes, sometimes, you know, you're, you're on your head and you're trying to put a screw in an engine and it just doesn't want to go. He says, after, you know, after you get frustrated, just stop and pray for a minute. Just say, you know, Lord, can you help me put this screw in? And you wouldn't believe how many times it just goes right in after that. So yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a lifestyle of prayer. Could you tell us a story? I think stories are really powerful of a specific thing you prayed for with a community that you saw God just really show his faithfulness through? With a community? Uh, or it, it, whatever. Whatever story okay. comes to mind. Okay. The, the most recent thing that has happened is walking with some dear friends this summer through uh, the diagnosis and then the home going of their little one uh, with leukemia. And... Um, you know, I, I, I'm there at the hospital and I'm there and I'm there and I'm interceding just nonstop. I mean, you know, and, and the Lord just so clearly said one day, it's time to fast. And I fast a lot and I fast for great lengths of time because I never know how long they're going to go. He tells me when to start and he tells me when they're over. And I'm like, okay. And, and, and my thought is I'm going to, I'm going to fast, uh, for healing made sense to me. But God always, always has the purpose of intercession, which will bring him the most glory and make me the most Christ-like. Okay. That's how you can really know you're hearing God's voice. Is it going to bring him glory? Is it going to make you want more of him and everybody around you seek him more? And if everybody involved, especially the prayer going to look more like Jesus when it's over. And so, you know, I'm thinking, yay, a healing would do that. You know, it would, that would, yay. And it wasn't long into the first couple of days that I began to realize, no, 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 no. There was, there was some things in here that in my heart that needed some changing. And the, and it began not just a fast from food, but it became a fast from then from not being able to go visit, from not having any contact. Because in my flesh, in my, in, 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 in my pride, I thought, oh, they need me. I have to be there. You know, I have to support them. And, you know, I have, I, you know, I've got to be there to pray and all that kind of thing. And before long, it was very evident they don't need me. They needed more Jesus. They needed more Jesus. And so for three weeks, I didn't need and I didn't contact, and I didn't visit, and I prayed 
just with the most incredible intimacy and life-changing brokenness, Lord, you meet them there. You fill them. You speak to them. You immerse that room. And like I said, about three and a half weeks in, I'm laying on the couch just resting a bit, and I get a text, the picture of that adorable little girl, and the mommy wrote underneath, Miss you. And then she started to tell me how that room was just so full of the presence of God, that that little baby, even in her pain, was singing hallelujah nonstop. And, and, and that you could just feel his presence, and they were overwhelmed with him. And people coming in were just, and, and, and you know, that's, that's just the most amazing thing to encounter. You don't need mountains moved, and you don't need these great signs of, mm-hmm. of all these miracles. You just need people to experience him. Mm-hmm. You need people to realize he's all they need. And especially when you're hurting at that level, to have that kind of encounter. And I watched that family. I continued to pray and fast. And it didn't end for 40 days, actually, when she con- Mama contacted me again and said, will you come spend the day with us? I said, okay. And we spent the day worshiping. And we spent the day just exalting this God who doesn't need any of us, but delights in being with us. That's astounding to me. And right up until that little one took her last breath, those parents worshipped because that room was full of his presence. Mm -hmm. That has been my most recent one. Didn't really change uh, the community, but everybody that walked in out of that room was changed. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a community change in the hospital for sure. What, one of the maybe more typical, that's, that's very drastic, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, one of the more typical community-wide changes, uh, as, you know, most of the time, for whatever reason, God, uh, delivers to us, especially young marrieds who are just really struggling. Usually in, in year, somewhere between year three and seven, they get shocked into thinking, well, I didn't sign up for this and things start falling apart. And of course, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, uh, issues in the community like that around us. And, and God, for whatever reason, send, sends, uh, sends those people to us. And we begin to, to, to start praying and God heals a marriage. And then they, they come in and they begin to pray with us for others that mm-hmm. they know are struggling. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you, you have a large group of people all with their marriages healed, all having the same heart to go out and help others, you know, in that struggle and, and primarily to pray for them. Uh, and so that's happened, you know, several, several times. I really can't even count how many times, but that's, that's the primary way God uses us in the community to pray. Is is for the healing of marriages, particularly you know young marriages. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine the uh, just the impact out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because a person's marriage it affects so much of the rest of their life, and just think of how many lives have been touched through that. That's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to in Acts twelve, there was a community that was praying, and they were praying for the release of Peter. Mm-hmm. And so Peter gets released. And my favorite part of the story is that Peter's sleeping and the angel has to hit him with a stick to wake him up. (laughs) But when he got there, the girl who opened the door went and told everyone that he was there and they didn't believe her. Mm -hmm. And they were praying for that and they didn't believe that. So, you know, my question is, is there a time where God kind of shocked you guys when you were praying? You you were like, well, I didn't really expect God to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Morris (laughs) Town. Yeah, 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 definitely. 
we knew a change was coming. And, you know, Mike had been a businessman his whole life. And we knew a change was coming, that God had made it so clear. And so we kept seeking. And uh, Mike even had, he was sure we were going to China as missionaries. <laughs> I mean, positive we were going. And um, I told our daughter, uh, she was living in Tucson at the time, and I was spent the weekend with her. And I told her, I said, okay, we're not going to tell him what we're praying. We're just going to pray and let God give the answer. Because a lot of times if you tell people how they're praying, they can make things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we can, we can do it. I mean, you know, we're trying to help God. But uh, anyway, I said, so we're going to pray that it, wherever we're going to go, that God would give him a broken heart for the people. I mean, where he is weeping for the people before we get there. Okay? That's what's going to be our prayer. So my daughter and I began to pray that. And I'm honestly thinking, yeah, we might end up in China or some, you know, country. You know, we, we were ready. That's what we were thinking was going to happen. Fast forward to about three months, we were at a, a conference at the Cove, the Billy Graham Center, and Mike has an encounter with the Lord there. And he told me later that he saw these people and he began to cry. He said, I have to get to them. He saw their faces in this vision. I have to get to them. And I'm like, well, what do they look like? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you describe them to me, I might know what country we're going to. Okay. So what do they look like? He goes, they were just normal looking people. They, you know, I, they, just, they were just people. But he had to get there. He had to get there. And it took another few months through a few other, you know, things that happened, which I'll save the time of telling you all the details, to where he told a friend, well, you know, uh, if you ever need an interim pastor, you know, I'll fill in and send him to a little town, Morristown, out in the desert, close to Wickenburg. Mm-hmm. And Mike started just going there and, you know, pulpit preaching for a few weeks. And one Sunday stood up. And when he looked out over the crowd, the people that were in the vision lined up exactly with the people he saw sitting there in the pews. And he began to weep, knowing, that's where I'm going. So we didn't end up in China or any other country. We went to a little desert town in Arizona that had 12 people in this little church and served there for eight years. And when we left, we had a a community of 400. There was 120 of them in the church with healed from every kind of addiction and broken marriage you could imagine. Drug addicts set free, the whole, I mean, just amazing testimonies. And of the 105 kids in the elementary school, 88 of them came every week for Bible study. That's what God does. So that was a surprise. That's one. There's been many. He never does. He, you know, he, one thing I can always tell when it's God, it is not what I would have ever thought of. It is so Him. That's His MO. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can almost rest assured of that. You would not think of it. Yeah. And, and you know, it does. Uh, it is a little shocking, a little jolting when God answers your prayer mm-hmm. and you're not used to that. Mm-hmm. You know, number one, you're not used to praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, he answered. The answer is right there and it's undeniable. And yeah, so I could I could I can remember times when I would have been that young lady who, you know, ran and said, hey, you know, Peter's at the door. And I, I would have been in the crowd saying. Yeah, right. This is just something that, you know, we do because 
well, I guess that we're modeling something, but I don't really expect much to happen. But uh, when you when you begin a, a lifestyle of prayer, you know things do happen, uh, and uh, fortunately, you get more and more used to God answering. Not normally the way that you're praying, but He does answer, and you begin to live with expectation as opposed to just you know just rote prayers and. Well, you know, we've done all we can do. <laughs> and that's the other thing, you know, don't don't treat prayer like, well, you know, now that I've tried everything, I'm going to pray. You know, that's that's obviously the cart before the horse. <laughs> well, the Bible says he will do immeasurably more than all we could ever think or imagine. Mm-hmm. So the best way to pray is astound me. Mm-hmm. Just let me know it's you. Okay, so I don't miss it. You know, I'm praying for this over here, and he's doing this, and I'm complaining because he's not doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. But this would astound me if I just turn and look. So I re- I just tell everybody, he's doing the immeasurably more. Just ask him to keep your eyes open and your ears open so you can worship him every step of the way. And then you'll see the astounding. So this series has been about spiritual rhythms and ways that we can pursue the giver of grace through different means of grace. And prayer is obviously this primary way. So what would you say? I think sometimes, you know, kind of AC in my, like our generation, we're really big on authenticity and wanting everything to feel natural. So when we don't feel like we want to pray, we struggle. And so I think spiritual rhythms give us these things that we can do out of faith that help to build that and help to build an authentic interaction but sometimes we have to start before we feel that way mm-hmm. so what would you say for for people practical things to do in the here and now to build that well number one understanding that prayer isn't natural it is supernatural and, and so i i and i totally understand even with your generation i'm not a part of it but i totally understand authenticity you know i'm a realist you know i'm a businessman I'm, i have got a business background in education and you know i deal with numbers you know how much more real can you get than that mm-hmm. and so yes you, you want to understand prayer where you live uh and how you live but uh, at the same time, uh, you need to understand that, you know, life with God is a paradox, you know, and if you can't get used to paradox, you'll never get used to being with God. Uh, and so there is not authenticity to donkeys talking. <laughs> okay. There just isn't. <laughs> but yet they do when God commands them to, you know. Uh, and so, you know, I began to take the advice of that old uh, hymn. Uh, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Um, began to practice my walk, trying to look at things from heaven's viewpoint. And of course, you know, your your eyes are without question locked in reality. I don't even want to say reality because heaven's viewpoint is the real reality. You know, we're actually experiencing, if you try to experience God with only your five senses, you're not going to experience God, plain and simple. You know, it's just not going to happen. And so, you know, um, I, I, I practice or at least try to practice, you know, looking at everything from heaven's viewpoint. Because when you're talking about authenticity, when you're talking about reality, that's where it's seen. You know, uh, the point is that there is a kingdom coming. 
you know, and it's going to eclipse this kingdom that we live in right now. You know, this is a great, mighty kingdom, this, this America that we live in. It's a great empire, maybe possibly the greatest that's ever been on the planet. I don't know. But the point is, there's coming a kingdom that's going to totally eclipse this one. It's, this one's going to vanish. It's going to fade away as if it never happened. Uh, and there's going to be a kingdom that's going to last forever. Uh, its foundations are going to be undergirded with the names of the tribes uh, and the names of the apostles, you know, and, and its king, Jesus Christ, is going to reign forever. And, and so if you want to be authentic, you've got to think in that realm. You know, you've got to anticipate everything that's going on here in America today and all over the world in that light, in that realm. And when you do that, you're naturally praying. You know, you just are. And so that's what I would suggest to anyone of your generation. Learn the paradox of living with great anticipation for the kingdom of God. And it is truly the reality. This is, this is a dim view. Have you found over, over the decades that you spent with Christ, have you found that to be true, that, that you see him more and more clearly? Yeah, and I, I, yeah, absolutely. The answer to that is yes. And, and I think that's, that's a sanctification process that happens in every believer's life, you know, some more than others. But, but it, it is a process of sanctification. And, it, and it's God's will that we be sanctified. And so, you know, as, as, especially in my case, you know, as I've lived out this life and experienced more and more of Jesus, uh, yeah, I, I can, I can understand, you know, when Paul's talking about having the mind of Christ, it's, it's loving the things that he loves and hating the things that he hates, you know, uh, and as we walk through life, we begin to do that more and more. You know, and so yeah, I am I, I, I answering your question. Yes. I guess is yeah, Sheila wants to say something. <laughs> I can tell she wants to say Go something. For it, Sheila. <laughs> well, no, he's everything he said. Absolutely yes, but at the same time, I can also say absolutely no, mm-hmm. because uh, if we're thinking that we're suddenly going to arrive, then that's wrong thinking. Right. Because we're never going to arrive and get this thing under control. (laughs) And like I said, I have walked with him now for 50 years as his child and heard his voice intimately for most of those years. And I will still blow it. And I will still have days that I get up. And sometimes it'll last for an extended period of days where I just don't feel like it. Okay, you know, I mean, it happens. Uh, or, Or a crisis will hit that just came out of nowhere and... I have to start all over again. And, and I can say to myself, well, I remember way back when I handled that better. Why can't I handle it? So uh, it, it's not a matter of you keep maturing and maturing and maturing. And, oh, look, she's 65 now and she made it. No, I'll be 75 and say the same thing. Lord, change me. Lord, teach me to pray. Start all over again with me. And let's do this together. Okay. I mean, it is, it's just life. We, we have, especially Americans, have the mentality that we, we have to master something and arrive. But you don't arrive. You enjoy the journey. I think that's encouraging just to think, I'm never going backwards with God. It's not a linear process towards Him, but it's, yeah, it is, it is this journey with Him where He's constantly teaching us. And sometimes in those moments where we feel dry or far, He's actually doing more than we can imagine. Exactly. 
Yeah, I like to think of it as the clay in the maker's hands. And it doesn't make any difference if you have the boils of Job on you or whether you, you know, you, you do feel, you know, very dry and, and very distant from God. It's, it's all, it's all in his hands. You know, there's, there's no such thing as uh, our God who is distracted or distant or flippant or callous. He he is he is near us, and uh, he never leaves us, never forsakes us, and he is always working for our best. That that's the thing. Maybe the Mount Everest of all the promises in the Bible is you know God works all things for the good of those who love Him. You know that's an incredible thought. When you know we we just saw this little two year old, beautiful little two year old girl die of leukemia, and. Uh, but knowing for sure that that through all of this, that that it is for our good, God is crafting it and working it, and uh, it will be to His glory. And ultimately, looking back from the kingdom, you know, we'll praise and worship every moment that we experience through that process. In the time that you guys have been praying for the church, what are some things that God has placed on your heart? What burdens um, has has He drawn you toward? to carry in, in prayer for, for redemption, St. Peter? Well, I will speak for what I feel that he has spoken to me very, very clearly, and that is to continuously, passionately intercede on behalf of our pastoral staff and their families. That That is like the number one thing. I mean, see to it, the Lord says, that they are immersed in prayer, that they, that they you know, are, are covered. And so we do that. I mean, that is our number. When, when our prayer meetings happen, we are focused on praying for the leaders of the church. That, that covers it all. <laughs> okay. Then the, then, then the next realm is, of course, then you can come down from there. The next realm would just be, Hey, I'm praying for a revival. I'm praying that God just so does something here that just, astounds us okay just just and and as our hearts began to transform and we're not just a small little core group but we are a passionate large community of people who just love to be with jesus and then we begin to pray for things as they come up but that's Mm -hmm. the two that i have personally had i don't and I, that consumes most of our prayer meetings. Yeah, it does. And it is important that because of, you know, the, the position that our staff is in, honestly, I know that they just would not be able to make it in the long run without prayer, you know, because they're just men and women. And so that prayer does make the difference. There's no question. But the other thing that, that Sheila, I don't think, mentioned was the fact that we want our worship experience together to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to the point where the people truly do feel his presence, uh, where there's, there's truly a rumbling in the spirit, a shaking in the spirit. And, and so, you know, a, a part of that is, is coming first thing Sunday morning before anybody gets here and just walk the sanctuary and just touch the seats and just pray. And, you know, we, we know that people are going to be coming in that are hurting. Well, number one, lost, you know, but, but hurting, both physically and spiritually hurting, you know, broken relationships, you know, heal up broken hearts, Lord. That, that's just a recurring prayer as we walk through, you know, just heal the broken heart today. Uh, but more than anything, May your people feel your presence in, in a very strong, 
palatable way today so that that will have an effect that will reverberate in their lives. That's just something that we feel very passionate about. I kind of give this little analogy of that, even though there is such a thing as eating cold soup. But for the most part, you know, we think of soup and we want to eat a warm bowl of soup. Well, you know, I kind of think of our sanctuary as the soup bowl and, and us as the soup. Wouldn't it be great if everyone walked into the sanctuary on Sunday to worship just after reading and praying for four or five hours. Can you imagine what kind of service that would be when everyone comes in hot for Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. But because most people don't do that, and most people, you know, even struggle trying to get into the sanctuary, <laughs> which is okay, I'm glad they're here. Let's, let's try to warm up the bowl so that when the soup comes in, even if it comes in cold, there's, there's you know, there's a stirring there, there's a warming there. And so I would always encourage everyone, especially you know, on Sunday morning, before you get here, pray, worship at home, Saturday night, set some time apart, you know, turn off the ball game, <laughs> set some time apart just to pray, worship, read the word, get hot for Jesus. So when you come in on Sunday morning, man, it just really makes a difference. Yeah, that's it's so important. I think of Ricardo several weeks ago now from the, from the release of this podcast when he preached on consumerism. And I know during the service that I sat in on, he talked about how um, consumerism is even in the church, even with staff, like there's some people who don't like to come to church when Ricardo's not preaching, <laughs> you know, and he said that turns me into a commodity. Yeah. And so just how important it is to make sure that we're not doing that, just treating the church as this vendor of religious goods and services to pray for our staff, to yes. pray for them and, and to pray for that. I like that analogy, the soup bowl, the soup bowl. <laughs> Uh, just kind of as we round third and head for home, you know, one of the things that just one of my little pet peeves, I guess I could say, is that is when we come together and, and we talk about prayer and talk about prayer, but we don't actually pray. Mm -hmm. So I just want to give a space for us to pray right now on this on this episode. Um, and for those of you guys who are listening, look, I get it. Uh, when I went to Bible college, we had to listen to sermons. And, and at the end of every sermon, there was this prayer. And so even my classmates were always tempted to just turn turn it off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recorded prayer. It can't do any good. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but the times that I did actually stay and pray uh, were phenomenal. So if you're driving, you don't have to close your eyes and get an accident or anything like that. Just listen and, and hear and pray with us. Just because it's a recording doesn't mean it's stale or expired. It's still a petition <laughs> to the living God. Mike, would you lead us, lead us in, in some prayer? Sure, you bet. Lord, what a what a joy it is to sit with my brothers and sisters and just talk about the things of you. <laughs> what what a way to stir our souls uh, and just you know make us take one step closer to you and to to experience you. Thank you for your presence here, Lord. Thank you that you're always at work in our lives. God, you are the God of steadfast love and forgiveness. I could just meditate on that just for years and years. Steadfast love, love that never ends, love that is always giving. Lord, you want what's best for us, no matter what shape, no matter what form or fashion it has to take. You are always working for our best, our good. You are always laboring for that. And, and the fact that you are complete faithfulness means that you will never stop. You don't get tired. You don't get frustrated. There's nothing that we can do that can thwart your plan uh, or your might to carry it through. And just 
just thinking about that, Lord, just makes us want to just rest in you. Thank you for that, Lord, that, that we can rest in you in, in this world that is completely filled with turmoil all the time. Lord, you are a resting place. That's who you are. And Lord, I know you have a great desire to bless this church uh, in so many ways. Uh, you have given us capable, wonderful, loving staff members, pastors. Thank you for the talent that you've put here from the stage. You know, every single one that, that gets up there, Lord, is, is just not only filled with, with education and knowledge, but has a passion for you and a heart for the truth. And there is just nothing like that to, to be in, in a place where the truth is being spoken and your people are being drawn into it, Lord, and hearts just begin to, to beat fast for you. What a wonderful life it is. What a glorious life it is. Loving you, serving you, getting to know you, Lord. And one of the most astounding things, Father God, is the fact that you want to reveal yourself. You want me to know you. Uh, you want a more intimate relationship tomorrow with me than you had today. Uh, what an amazing life. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, you are our king, and I can't wait till the day I toast you at banquet and stand and say, Lord Jesus, it's everything that you have done. It's everything that you are doing. It's everything that you will do in the future, Lord. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. What a glorious day that will be. Lord, keep that forefront in our minds and hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for passion. Thank you for compassion, Lord, to just bring God glory. Uh, with word, action, deed, and even in the resting. So, Lord, oh, how I want to say we are so satisfied in you. Make us more satisfied each day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Mike, Sheila, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Um, it's such a blessing to hear from you guys. Thank you. And, and uh, for those of you guys who are, who are listening, um, thank you for tuning into this final episode in the Advent series. And we will catch you guys next week as we go into a new series called Love Walked Among Us. 